Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland and I have a special guest today. Kristen from Stuff Mom Never Told You has decided that she is going to lower herself to the bar of Tech Stuff and join me in the studio. Oh, Jonathan. <laughs> Lowering, schmowering. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. I, I'm happy to have you on. We've done a couple, we've done a brain stuff together, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, but, and I got to be on an episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You. That's uh, right. You came, you were our <laughs> expert on trolling. Yeah. Not, not because of your trolling. No, that, of course. I kept that past locked up. Yeah. No. Yeah. We didn't talk about that. No, it was just my expertise on the subject of trolls. And we're going to be talking about something that very much involves trolling today, although that's not the, the focus of this conversation. We're going to be talking a lot about uh, Anita Sarkeesian and her Tropes Against Women, Tropes versus Women series, specifically the Tropes versus Women in video games. Uh, and because we're going to be talking about a really serious subject that has had a lot of uh, attention devoted to it from all quarters of the Internet, including some of the darkest ones, I think it it's important to let all of you guys know out there, we're going to be talking about some heavy stuff. Uh, it is not 
all sunshine and roses. There's some really unpleasantness going on here. So trigger warnings out there. I mean, a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about is specifically uh, things like violence or implied violence or threats against women uh, or anyone who actually supports them in their their quest to just be heard. So keep that in mind, because uh, we don't usually explore those sort of things on tech stuff, but it's an important conversation. And it's certainly one that's dominated the tech world. I mean, if you are on Twitter and you're following any uh, uh, folks in the technology sector, you're going to have seen stuff about Sarkeesian at some point. Yeah, I have a feeling that for a lot of your listeners, her name probably rings a bell, whether they've seen a Tropes versus Women video or simply heard about her because there's been so much conversation and critique and not even critique, just trending into outright hatred. Oh, yeah. Her project. No, there have been there have been some attacks that have nothing to do with any of her work, uh, as a, at least the attack itself has nothing to do with her work. The attack would just be a nasty, terrible thing to say. I mean, you read some of these attacks and you think, when would you ever say this to another human being? I mean, it's, well, you wouldn't. Yeah. If they could see, uh, chances are, if the, some of these people would see Sarkeesian face to face on the street, they would not say the kinds of things that they would say online, which is something that we talked about, actually, right. when you came on stuff. I never told you to talk about trolling, just how the anonymity of the Internet can sometimes fuel the sort of vile because it's easier to type something out than to say something to someone's face. Well, you don't have the social pressures that exactly. you have in real life, right? In real life, I have the social pressure. It is socially unacceptable for me to rant and rave against somebody to threaten somebody that is not acceptable in society. But online, there are a different set of rules and or, or sometimes just a complete lack of rules, depending upon what areas of the Internet you're talking about. But to really dig down into this, first, we need to talk about who Anita Sarkeesian is. And she's a media critic. And while the recent conversation has all been about her work in studying women's roles in video games, that's not the only thing she's ever done. The Tropes versus Women is actually a series that predates the video game uh, critique. Yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting to and, and startling too to see the development of Sarkeesian's career around this video games project because when I first came across her work, mm-hmm. it was with a series of six videos that she produced, looking specifically at tropes surrounding female characters on film and in TV. So the first video that she put out, for instance, was about the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Right. She clearly did not receive any death threats for talking about the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. But yeah, then Zoe she, Deschanel <laughs> didn't say, you know, I, I built my career on this. Yeah, she wasn't going to smash her over the head with her ukulele or anything yeah. like that. And she also devoted videos to things like Women in Refrigerators, yep. which does tie into comics, uh, the Smurfette Principle, which comes up again in her video game series. Yep. The Evil Seductress, Mystical Pregnancy, and then finally, The Straw Feminist, which, for people unfamiliar with this trope, it's essentially a hyper-feminist character used in shows or movies to, at the same time, lampoon feminism. And it's a little ironic that this was the last video I'm aware of that she made before she started in on this video game project, because... She has now sort of 
been treated as a straw feminist by her haters. Well, well, yeah, this is one of those things where you start to attribute arguments to someone that they have never personally uh, put forth as their own. And then you go forward and knock down that argument and say, see, this person was wrong. Well, if the person never made that argument in the first place, no, they're not wrong. That's that's the whole straw man argument from the beginning. So for those of you out there who may be confused just by the term trope, we're really talking about a figurative use of some concept that tends to become sort of common currency. It's not quite the same as cliche, although the two can be related. But a trope is something that uh, you know, it's an element that you see within a work that you can identify and say, oh, I also saw this in this other thing. And it may be a completely different medium. It doesn't have to be the same medium. So here's an example. Jump the shark. That's a phrase everyone has heard. Jump the shark is this trope about a moment in a series that changes the uh, the tone of that series enough so that it's no longer what it used to be. It is lesser than what it used to be. And we view it as something negative at that point. Uh, the, the woman in the fridge trope that you mentioned comes from Green Lantern specifically. That's that was a, a comic book where the hero Green Lantern comes back and finds that his girlfriend had been murdered and shoved into his refrigerator and the whole purpose of it was to give Green Lantern a uh, a story arc. It had nothing to do with the female character. She was she was just the kind of the the launching point for his story. And that's sort of where a lot of the criticism comes in uh, from Sarkeesian toward video games and, and different types of media as well. She was specifically focusing on video games for this project. Now, it's a project that she sought crowdfunding for. Back in 2012, she launched a Kickstarter campaign. She had a goal of $6,000 to produce a series of videos where she would critique video games and she would look at a broad spectrum of games and see how women's roles uh, were depicted in these various video games. And it wasn't it wasn't a crusade to go and destroy video games. She makes a point that video games are designed to be fun and you can enjoy a video game while still applying critical thinking and saying this game is the gameplay is great. I really enjoy elements of the story. This one thing really bothers me, though. And uh, she also is very careful to say a trope is a trope. It's not it's not the definition of an entire game, but the presence or even the ubiquity of certain tropes in the video game industry can be troubling because that is a reflection of and a reinforcement of certain cultural ideas that can be harmful, not just to women, but to men as well. And so uh, the thing is that I think a lot of people don't pay enough attention to the actual arguments. They have a knee jerk reaction of you are attacking something that I love. Therefore, you need to be destroyed, which is it sounds dramatic, but that's very much what's happening. Absolutely. And I mean, it's it was notable that she wanted to dig into tropes in video games at this point where it is important as a media critic that she is to look into video games, considering just how widely they're played. Yep. And I mean, in the same way, I mean, she started out with film and television, which, mm-hmm. you know, again, another thing that so many people are consuming. And to say that what you see on screen, the kinds of tropes that are on screen, the portrayals of different people, not just women, but uh, people of color or men, people with disabilities, etc. The way that they are portrayed on screen certainly does have an off screen impact. And 
with that Kickstarter campaign, she initially just, you know, like you said, won $6,000 right. to make five videos. Yep. And her, she immediately, as soon as the, the Kickstarter video went up, people started just making so many vile comments and attacking her and essentially trying to... Uh, I think her uh, Wikipedia page was hacked at one point. Yeah, she had Wikipedia uh, vandalism. Yep. Yeah, like all sorts of incidents happening to where everyone, like a, a lot of other people came to her aid and she ended up raising almost $159,000. And with that money, since it was so overfunded, said, okay, well, guess what, haters? Instead of five videos, I'm making 12. Right. So the, and of course, a lot of the haters ended up saying that she was conning Kickstarter. That's not how Kickstarter works, people. All right. Let me, let me just break this down for you. Um, but there are a lot of things that you can criticize people for. I mean, I think, I think criticism of arguments is important, but you have to make sure that you're actually criticizing the argument. Conning Kickstarter? No. She put forth exactly what she wanted to do, and people decided to support her. Kickstarter has nothing to do with that. Kickstarter has an interest if a project does well, because that's how they make money. But Kickstarter's not being conned. They had a platform. Uh, she submitted a project. The project was approved, and the project did really, really well. It was, quote-unquote, overfunded. This is not unique to Sarkeesian. We see it all the time. I've been part of Kickstarter uh, projects, uh, you know, I've contributed to some that got crazy overfunded too, and you never hear anyone complain about those. Um, it's, it's, so let's, let's set that aside. There's also, like you said, this crazy, uh, uh, flurry of insults and attacks against Sarkeesian before she's ever produced a single video. Now, back in 2012, before she had ever even scripted out the first video, she was already becoming the target of attacks. And this pretty much to me says the goal is to silence her. There's no you can't criticize an argument that hasn't been made. You don't know what the argument is yet. Well, she has a website called Feminist Frequency. And I think simply by virtue of the title or, or word feminist being anywhere near her name, that's yeah. going to attract a lot of negative attention. And I also find it Kind of hilarious that because of that swarm of attack with the intent of silencing her, mm -hmm. if that hadn't happened, Jonathan, I have a feeling she wouldn't have gotten so much attention because of this. Yeah, maybe her it backfired. Maybe her Kickstarter would have funded, but maybe that maybe it would have been a series that a handful of people would have seen. Yeah. And it never would have gone beyond that. But because of this in intense focused hatred. It ended up grabbing a lot more attention, which also to me tells me that it's a much more important uh, issue than a lot of people would say. I mean, the fact that there is so much vitriolic hatred aimed at her tells me that even as as careful as she is to say, look, I'm not saying that video games make people go out and be terrible. What I'm saying is that it is a reflection of and a reinforcement of certain ideas and culture and that we cannot be immune to those. Those are influences on us, whether or not we end up uh, uh, you know, embracing them as our own philosophy is another matter, but they do influence us. You know, she's very careful to make that distinction. The fact that she's been the target of such incredible attacks says to me that maybe she was being a little conservative in that and that perhaps her, you know, it's a little it's a little bit more of an impact than she had given it credit, although she is being very methodical about this. 
which I think, you know, is laudable, especially considering the the incredible, you know, opposition she's faced. I can't imagine having encountered this kind of thing. It was kind of crazy. So her series started uh, and launched in March of 2013. And the very first episode was a uh, a discussion of uh, part one of three on the damsel in distress trope. And she pretty much breaks it down as the damsel in distress is the the object that the hero is trying to uh, to to rescue. To, she's, she's Princess Peach. Yeah, she is Princess Peach, which Princess Peach. The only reason Princess Peach exists is for Mario to have something to go after. Right. She doesn't have any personality of her own. She has no. But then again, you know, you could say, oh, Mario didn't have any personality. But the thing is that this this trope extends well beyond the Mario era. But you still get a Princess Peach. Right. The the character, uh, there's no intrinsic value to her. The only value is the fact that she, quote unquote, belongs to the hero, but has been stolen away by the villain or some variation thereof. And so the first three episodes really focus on this damsel in distress trope. Uh, the first one specifically looks at the, the basic trope, the Princess Peach version. And the second one looks at more recent examples, which get pretty grim. We're talking about, uh, not just a, a, a female character who has no real agency. She has no control over her existence. She's either being rescued by someone or kidnapped by someone. She's not doing anything on her own. Uh, but often she's also the victim of, some pretty nasty violence uh, in, in more recent ones. And this is sometimes an effort to make a video game seem darker and more edgy. Uh, the idea being that, well, if we show the villain hitting a, a quote unquote defenseless, vulnerable, helpless woman, then that makes him a really bad guy. And you're a really good guy for stopping him and rescuing the woman. Meanwhile, the woman has she's just there to be the recipient of abuse. She has no other purpose. And her point is that you don't have any, you know, the, the sort of investment that you put into the male protagonist. There's none of that in the female character. She can't do anything for herself. She's not even really a person. She's just a thing for a character to win. If, if she were replaced with some other, like, object of value, there'd be no difference there, except for the fact that it would be truly an object and not a person or the depiction of a person being treated as an object. And it really makes you think, um, for someone who, like, shocking news here, I'm a guy. So, oh. yeah, I know. And as a guy, uh, the, the thing is that the video games do cater to my demographic, right? I'm, I'm a male. And so there are a lot of things that are in video games that I may have been kind of aware of under the surface, but never really given much thought to because it didn't directly affect me. I was I was the character that was the protagonist watching these videos in sequence and seeing Sarkeesian lay them out methodically and compellingly and giving endless examples. I mean, it's it's when she sits there and says, all right, here, here's an example of uh, a character who has no power of her own. Here's another one. And here are 12 more of them. It really starts to sink in. And I think, wow, I have been largely ignorant of this. And I think a lot of it has to do with that, that being ingrained in culture overall, not just video games. That's a microcosm of where this extends beyond in all realms of life. And I think 
I needed to wake up a long time ago. This series really needed to happen years ago, I think. But Well, and I think that that often is a point lost on a lot of people who don't want to hear what she has to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, first of all, a lot of times it seems like many of her loudest haters don't even watch the videos themselves and also don't understand the broader point that the video game is more of the example or more of a symptom of a broader issue yeah. of and reflection of these kinds of patterns that have been happening historically in real life or reflected on, you know, big screen, small screen and are now understand or in stories and literature and now yep. understandably are showing up again and again in video games as well. So it's not I think it's just often misinterpreted as her just wanting to take down video games where it's really like, no, what what's trying what she's attempting to maybe highlight and dismantle is that issue that we are seeing in the video game. There's right. nothing wrong with playing video games. Yeah, she actually gives quite a few examples of games that either attempt to overturn these things and sometimes unsuccessfully so because the attempt was perhaps uh, a, a, a poor attempt or a misunderstanding of what the underlying cause of the issue was. And so it ends up being kind of a surface level way of dealing with it. Uh, or it's there's some that just uh, apparently have a beautiful way of treating the subject matter entirely. So you just, you don't have those same tropes that you run into. So the damsel in distress ones are pretty, um, pretty tough to get around. And, and she, in the third episode, the part three of the damsels in distress, that's where she really looks at some of the video games that tried to counteract it, including the dudes in distress video mm-hmm. games where it turns it on its head. And she makes a really good point that I think a lot of gamers miss out on. And that really good point is that a dude in distress is never going to be the same as a damsel in distress. It either ends up being played as a joke because that's not how things happen. Look at the last couple of millennia of fiction Mm -hmm. and you have the damsel in distress trope well and truly ingrained in Western literature and not just video games. Uh, She says it either becomes across as a joke or it doesn't even if it's not a joke. That you don't have that cultural weight, that cultural baggage behind it, right? For the damsel in distress for women, that's something that has been a depiction for women in literature, like I said, for, for millennia. For men, it's not. So there's not that cultural baggage for men. So turning that on its head doesn't necessarily work. It doesn't, it doesn't really be like, Oh, look, the tables are turned. How does it feel? Well, it's the exception, right? So it's, it's like, well, that's, that's weird. Well, and it's a good example, too, of how the how it's erroneous to think that the solution to perhaps, let's say in video game terms of uh, violence being perpetuated toward women, women being the victims of violence is to simply just switch those roles and have men being the victims of violence. That doesn't really necessarily solve things. And she makes um, another good point of that in the fourth episode Mm -hmm. with the Mrs. Male video game characters talking about how there have been a number of video video games, such as most prominently Mrs. Pac-Man, where you take the stock male video game character and just put a bow on her head and then Problem solved. But it's like, no, that's not really that's not really what we're getting at here. Yeah, where 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 through the use of some signifiers that we associate with the female gender, you have magically 
equated <laughs> male and female video game experiences, which is not exactly uh, true. And it's missing the point largely. Um, yeah, that one uh, I think is also very relevant for a larger conversation in technology where you see companies that are marketing products as being meant for women. And they very often fall into the same sort of tropes in, in a, in a slightly different way. So example, everything that's pink, right? Like a, it's, you know, it's a a smartphone for women because it's pink, that sort of thing where it, it become, it relies on these female signifiers, this incredibly shallow and, dismissive way of saying this is for for this specific audience because you're clearly not smart enough to be able to pick up on that or to enjoy something just as a consumer uh we have to to spell it out so this pink thing that's for you ladies everything else is for the dudes yeah there's even a, a handy marketing term for that and it's pink it and shrink it yeah done yeah and it's for it, it's ours we got the little hands we need little things and well, we like pink and and she and she points out in the world of video games what this means for female characters is they tend to look like in a lot of video games they tend to be a slight variation on whatever the the main protagonist is so you get a female version of that that, that and she goes so far as to say this isn't the case for all video games everywhere she's saying there are a lot of video games that do fall into this category but you get one female protagonist that looks kind of like the main male protagonist. And if you have other characters you can unlock, they tend to be other male protagonists that look very differently from the original one. So they all seem to have things that distinguish them from the main protagonist. The female, however, is just a female counterpart to the male protagonist. You don't get dozens of different females who have looks that are uh, informed by their own personalities. <laughs> it's just a variation on the male character. So again, you're talking about identity and agency and dependence, like the fact that the female character's existence depends upon the male character, because without the male protagonist version there, you don't have a female version. She doesn't stand on her own. So these are great points again, and it's stuff that really makes you start to think. And especially if you've just been playing games and not really spending any time considering the the underlying factors there. And it doesn't mean that game designers are setting out with an agenda to oppress women. You know, she she doesn't say that. She doesn't make these claims, which is what a lot of the attacks seem to suggest, that she's got this agenda to destroy video game developers. And that's not what she's saying. Uh, you know, it's it's she's saying these are these are just tropes that are so deeply ingrained in our culture. We don't necessarily even realize it when we start to incorporate them in our own work. So if I were to go out and write a story, it may be after I've written it and I read over it, I realize, hey, you know what? I, I I've committed one of those, too. It's just one of those things that I, I associate with storytelling, which is my hang up. So I got to really, you know, examine that and figure out, well, how can I tell a story that doesn't depend upon this stuff? I mean, that that is just a crutch that I don't want to rely upon. And uh, and so that seems to be a, a lot of the focus of her uh, of her work. Now, you also mentioned the Smurfette principle, right, which falls into video games as well. That's where you have a, a group of characters, all of whom save one are male. And then you have the one token female character. Uh, and this happens in video games all the time where you'll have you'll have groups where one character is female and all the rest are male. 
Um, that doesn't mean that it's the only t- only thing that you see out there. Like, again, there are exceptions, but she points out how this is a frequent trope in video games. So uh, the Left 4 Dead series, you can have a, you know, there's one female character and then three male characters. Uh, so, you know, that's an example there. Uh, there are plenty of them. And so, of course, there are a lot of games where there's no female counterpart at all. You play as a male protagonist and that's it. There are a couple where you play as a female protagonist. Uh, the Portal games mm-hmm. are an example and they're fan- they're phenomenal. And I wish there'd be more games like them. Um, and I think she points out Beyond Good and Evil as one of her favorites. Um, but yeah, that's a, another trope she, she explores. She also looks at women as background decoration. This is, uh, these are a couple of her more recent videos, which have really ramped up the abuse, uh, leveled against her. And in these episodes, she specifically talks about female, they can't, you can't even call them characters, but female depictions in video games that are just there as background. They are not meant in any way to impact the story or to be uh, a character. They're just there um, to to add to the tone of whatever the video game is. And they are far more frequently than men hypersexualized. They are sexual objects more frequently than men are. Usually if a man is treated as a sexual object within a video game, it's for some sort of joke. Whereas mm-hmm. for women in a lot of video games, that's the default. Right. And what's telling about the how common these types of female characters are is that, you know, as we've just been talking about the past few minutes, there there's such a lack of those main female protagonists who have any sort of depth to them whatsoever. And yet when you look in the background, oh, they're the women. Yeah. They're the women being objectified or just sort of randomly disposed of. Right. So yeah, there was another one, disposability and volatility, where, you know, the the sort of um, the the fact that they they can be destroyed, killed, dismembered, I mean, tortured uh, pretty much in the background. And that's just part of that's just part of the game world. And they're meant to be there as a way of, uh, again, creating that tone is pretty rough because, again, you know, there there's they're not meant to create an a deep emotional uh, impact on the player. You know, it's not there to, to actually have the person ask why this thing happens or uh, what is the, you know, what are the uh, ramifications of it? What are the implications of it? It's just that this world is bad because of this, or this world is seedy because this happens. Um, and she brings out a lot in Grand Theft Auto about how, uh, I mean, there are a lot of characters and female characters in Grand Theft Auto or female figures, I guess you could even say. In Grand Lady Theft bodies. Games. Lady bodies in <laughs> Grand Theft Auto that are specifically meant for sexual uh, objectification. There, there, there are other female characters that are not or female bodies that are not, but a lot of them in Grand Theft Auto are. Yeah. Well, and so there's this one controversy in quotes about it was either episode five or episode six in which she calls out the video game. Hitman and a scene in which and she shows the gameplay in the Tropes versus Women video of the male protagonist walking past a couple of exotic dancers. Yeah. And you can like shoot them in the head and they die. Yeah. You can either sneak by them or you can kill them. Yeah. And so <laughs> there's um, a, a particularly 
vocal hater, um, username Thunderfoot, who made this video all about how Anita Sarkeesian is, is clearly trying to, you know, is a clear and complete liar because, and he showed in his video gameplay, you can just sneak by them, which the argument was on his end that that just dismantles everything that she has to say. But it doesn't erase the fact that, OK, but you can still kill them. And the, it's even more troubling if we think about, OK, well, what are the real world impacts of this kind of video game play that a lot of the indiscriminate violence toward women in video games is toward these nameless women? I right. feel like it's one thing if you have a female protagonist and she gets really violent and, you know, she's like moving on like through a story and violence is part of it. Whereas, you know, a lot of the violence in women is just perpetuated toward these nameless characters. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, that no. seems a little more disturbing. What, what you're saying, you've got these these characters that the only reason they exist is for you to either sneak by them or kill them. Right. So if, you know, if it were a, a sense where if you killed the characters automatically your your mission failed and it was clear that you had to sneak by them that's one thing that's that's a game mechanic that uh is trying to say no that's that's the wrong you're going to fail the mission this way but giving that as an option was really what sarkeesian was pointing towards she said these are characters who are already sexual objects because of the nature of what their profession is supposed to be and the way that they are designed the actual character designs they are sexual objects and they're if you have given characters the option of killing them, then that already is an issue. It's not whether or not the player does do that. It's the fact that the option is there in the first place. That was her argument, not that you were forced to kill. In fact, that she never, as far as I recall, says that you're forced to kill them. Right. She says that's one of the things you can do. And then you hide their bodies so that they won't be discovered. Uh, and that's what she says. You know, that's the problem. It's it's not. It's not whether or not the player is forced to do it. It's the fact that this is existing. That's an issue because violence against women is a very real, very serious problem. And to make it uh, to gamify it is another serious problem. It, it, again, reflects and reinforces an idea in the culture that is not a great idea. <laughs> well, and one thing that Sarkeesian doesn't get into in the videos, largely because she doesn't have time to, because there's so much to talk about just within the gameplay but all a number of studies that have been done looking at how video games do influence perceptions toward women. So, for instance, there was a 2012 study which found that video games depicting sexual objectification of women and violence against women resulted in statistically significant increased rape myth acceptance, i.e. this idea that women are asking for it among male study participants. But also it impacts female players as well. There was a 2013 study finding that women who played with sexualized doppelganger avatars, i.e. like, you know, sexy avatars that looked like themselves, engaged in higher levels of self-objectification and again, higher rape myth acceptance. So while, again, the it's not... The argument is not that video games are evil, right? but rather that it is important to consider how these on-screen behaviors influence our 
off-screen beliefs about the kinds of uh, treatment towards women and what is and is not acceptable. Because there, I mean, there's, and those were just two of many studies that I could sit here Mm -hmm. and tick off, finding again and again and again a very strong relationship between beating up and or sexually assaulting women in video games and just the belief, not saying that it turns, you know, men into rapists, right? but the belief that, well, it's not, it's not terrible. It just lowers the bar. Right. Or, 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 you know, the way she was dressed is the reason why that happened to her. It's, it's essentially taking the accountability off the person who commits the heinous crime and then applying at least part of it, if not all of it to the victim of that crime uh, that's, you know, that's a terrible thing that it's something we should strive to get away from. And Sarkeesian's point is that, again, these these games don't exist in a vacuum. If the game existed in a world where violence against women was not a systemic problem around the world, if uh, women had true equality with men throughout the world, if people of color had the same equality as uh, as white people do all around the world, then the video game thing, it would just be a curiosity. You'd say, you might say it's in poor taste. You might say, oh, this is, this is not realistic. Uh, you might say many things, but it doesn't exist in a vacuum. It exists in our world where these are real issues. And again, the way it's depicted can very much affect our perceptions and, or at least reinforce ideas that we might already have rather than challenge them. That's another great point she makes is that you can make games that challenge these notions where characters actually do make real uh, critical thinking choices that will end up showing that this is, you know, this is not something to be desired, but that replication of those, those, um, those situations does not mean criticism, right? Mm -hmm. Saying, look how miserable this world is, isn't saying, uh, misery is this terrible thing that we need to fix. It's it's a different thing. So, you know, it, again, I think, like you were saying, I think a lot of the criticism uh, that is leveled against Sarkeesian, in particular, and other other female journalists and and or male, female developers too, female developers, female uh, ga- gamers. I mean, the whole fake gamer girl uh, meme that's out there is ridiculous. Uh, all of these sort of things are are certainly problematic is the wrong word. It's just it's too big for problematic. But it, these are things that really need to have this kind of attention. And it, and it shows me that the critics, in large part, are not really listening to what she has to say. And again, I think if you find fault in the arguments, then what you have to do is you have to create your own argument that addresses whatever the point is. Use evidence to support your argument and engage in a debate or a conversation about it. What is actually happening, though, is people are attacking the person, not the argument. Or if they attack the argument, they also attack the person. Um, and it's really an effort to silence the person, not to say, here's why I disagree. Um, you know, what is your response to that? And it's pretty clear that the people who are attacking have no interest in discourse. At all. But moving away from tropes versus women, like the actual videos and what she's arguing and this whole question of how video game play impacts and reflects real world situations. What to me is even more telling 
and it is worth paying even closer attention to is how this vocal minority mm-hmm. and at least I hope it's a minority. It seems to be a minority of gamers who really, really, really hate everything that has to do with Anita Sarkeesian and want to hear absolutely nothing about any critique of this sort about video games. Seems like if you look at the kinds of threats that they make against her mm-hmm. that usually involve rape threats, death threats, etc., is really confirming a lot of what she is saying Absolutely, and arguing yeah. about how maybe this is, you know, this sandbox that they're playing in isn't so healthy. It, 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 yeah. I mean, I completely agree with that. I think that the the nature of the threats again if they were if they were intelligently uh, debating the the points that she made and if they were actually coming up with counter uh, evidence and saying uh, you know I know that you this is how you framed that in the argument I don't agree with it here is my uh, here's my approach here's why I think that what do you think of that that's the civilized way to enter a debate that's not what's happening. What they're doing is falling into behaviors that are reinforcing her arguments and completely 100 percent reinforcing it. I mean, they're making the same sort of threats where they are showing a disregard for her as a human being and using uh, charged words, you know, that are based upon her gender that clearly indicate that the arguments she makes have some merit. Yeah, I mean, like after she released uh, her most recent video as of this podcast recording, she had to leave her home because the threats against her and her family became so specific. Um, And she, you know, she's been doxxed over and over again that she no longer felt safe in her home. And she's not the she's by no means the first prominent, (laughs) loud, uh, feminist leaning Mm -hmm woman on the internet who has gone through this. So I'm just wondering, though, Yeah. do you think at some point (laughs) gamers at large will turn on this subset of them who are making so much trouble? Because around this time, we also have Gamergate happening. And it's just it's it's become so ugly that I'm seeing more and more articles and, and blog posts by other more rational gamers saying, oh, my God, you are just ruining this for everybody. I think we're seeing more of that. I think I think it's I think it took this terrible uh, sequence of events of of people really being. Just ridiculously. Awful. I mean, there's. The words I want to use, I can't use on this podcast. Um, But I I think we're starting to see that. I think we're seeing a lot more people speak out against it. We're hearing podcasts like this where people are trying to actually intelligently discuss what is the central issue and why is there so much uh, vitriolic anger around it. Uh, We have people making videos saying, look, guys, it's not okay to do this. We have videos saying, look, it's not okay to not say anything either. If you know someone who is engaging in this, it's, you know, go ahead and just tell them like, dude, that's, that's not cool. That's not, that's not okay. The same sort of social pressures need to exist online as do exist in our regular society. Uh, and only through this kind of, uh, for, first you have to acknowledge that, that, that the problem exists and then grow to understand what the problem is. 
and then work to make sure you're not part of the problem and then also work to make sure that the problem stops being a problem. There's there's a series of steps here. I, I think I'm somewhere on between three and four right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess this is probably my part four right now is <laughs> contributing in this way. Um, I think we're starting to see more and more of that. I think we'll see the industry change over time as more awareness grows. Um, it's one of those things that uh, is going to still take time. It's not going to be overnight uh, as much as I wish it would be. Um, but it's going to also take the the part of gamers, those that minority, to admit the fact that acknowledging these as problems and addressing those problems doesn't mean video games go away. Doesn't mean video games become less fun. Doesn't mean that all of your video games are going to suddenly become, you know, uh, match these cute shapes together. Gloria Steinem goes to the library to right. find a copy of The Feminine Mystique. Can you get out of the library before it closes? Yeah, Jane Austen, first person shooter game or something. Okay, it's, that sounds kind of awesome. Anyway, okay, I would yeah, play that. You just, you throw quips at people. <laughs> yes. Um, that I'd play that too. But no, I don't think that's going to be the case either. It just ends up being something that, that the industry needs to become more aware of. Gamers need to acknowledge and, uh, and I think overall, the outcome of this, when people do come to this sort of agreement, which I think is going to be years down the road, I'm sad to say, that the whole industry as a, will, will benefit. We'll have better games. We'll have games designed for more people, more inclusion. And I actually think that'll be a fantastic thing for games. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I don't like playing online right now because of the way a lot of people behave online. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I find if I do play online, I turn off my headset. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear what people have to say because they say horrible, horrible things. I'd like to think that if we as a culture work together to really address these issues and say, no, it's not really funny. It's not funny. The stuff you're saying, it's not cool. Uh, it just makes you seem to be uneducated and hateful, which are not good qualities. Well, and there's hope for that kind of future as well, because on the flip side of all of those kinds of studies linking sort of the, the terrible things on screen with the terrible things off screen, there are also an equal number, if not more, studies talking about how kids who play highly social games tend to be more social. People who play avatars that aren't exactly like them, you know, games that allow you to embody new experiences can actually have positive effects in terms of increasing your capacities for empathy and things like mm -hmm. that. There's so much positive power within video games as well that, you know, there's still so much out there to harness. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, look at some of the most amazing games out there that have nothing to do with this sort of, of uh, uh, problem. I mean, you can... Minecraft is an example I like to think of. It's... it's I, You know, you do have a, an avatar, and you can choose what your avatar looks like. But since I play, and since most people I know play in first-person mode... They're not even the avatar is meaningless. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you're just a pair of hands. <laughs> Occasionally you're holding something. And really, the game is more about an expression of creativity. It is wildly popular It is one of the most popular computer games out there. A game can be really tons of fun and it's not sacrificing anything in terms of gameplay. And you can still have gritty games and these sort of things that give you this ability to live a, a hero's life. That's another issue is that. A lot of the games are catering to the the juvenile male power uh, fantasy. You know this idea of being hey, able to... listen, Jonathan. Women crave power too. No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I'm not arguing. It's just that this is a particular flavor meant for juvenile males. You know the idea of you are the big brawny guy who gets to rescue the uh, incredibly attractive lady who is completely helpless unless you rush to her aid. Hey, listen, Jonathan. Some women want to rescue other women too. I'm not. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna you know, judge them or anything. I'm just saying the games are, t they tend to be uh, made uh, in that vein. So, you know, it's, 
I want to see this conversation continue. I want to see people really, really take a critical look at video games. Use critical thinking. Don't just have a knee-jerk reaction. And don't uh, equate criticism with a desire for an entire industry to go away. These are, you know, I think Bernie Burns of Rooster Teeth, he said this on a podcast not too long ago. He said, the way he sees it, video game players often see the world as either winning or losing. There's no in between. Mm. So it's either a win or a loss. So that's why these these things that fall in between and, uh, uh, you know, get lost in the in the mix. So any criticism against this thing they love, that's someone who's saying video games are at a loss. And the only way to combat it is to go full guns at the person who's making the critique so that you can be back in the win category. Uh, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. So I'm hoping that the conversations that go around show that, no, there are degrees here and there are things that we need to really take a hard look at and say, uh, you know, why is this a thing and does it need to be or, or if it needs to be, what's your justification for it? Yeah. So, well, yeah. and anyone who's scared that their video games are going to be taken away. Video games are not going anywhere. Just look, just based on the money. Yeah. No one's letting video games go anywhere. Right. Yeah. The only question is, what is the, you know, what's the tone going to be? How right. are, how are women going to be treated in those games? Will it be an inclusive sort of uh, culture where we actually are being nice to one another? I mean, you can be nasty to those, those uh, video game enemies as much as you need to be to make sure you, get to that end of that level and go to the next one so that you get another onslaught of enemies. But be nice to people and make sure that when you're creating characters in a game, they're characters. Yeah. And not just, not just, you know, a, a decoration on the background. Um, yeah. And, and there's so much more to say. Obviously, Sarkeesian's work is not done in this regard. She has more videos to make. Yeah. She has what? Six more to make. She's only halfway through. Yeah, I think so. And so we're going to keep an eye on the rest of those. If you have not watched the Feminist Frequency uh, page and watched the Tropes versus Women in video game series, I highly recommend it. Uh, Sarkeesian does, again, make a point at the beginning of nearly every episode that critiquing something doesn't mean you can't love it. Uh, and, uh, and just keep that in mind, really. Uh, that's, that's the important thing to take away. And then, you know, just take a nice critical look. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for joining me on this episode to talk about this incredibly important topic. Jonathan, thanks so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. I'll, I'll be sure to ask you back in the future for, uh, for things that may not be quite so emotionally charged. All right. Uh, this is, but this I feel is one of those discussions that's very prevalent on, uh, in the tech circles. It's an important one to have. It's an important one to think about. Uh, I am a big advocate for compassion and empathy. And uh, so for people who are not familiar with your work, and shame on you, you all should be, let them know where to go to find more. You can go to stuffmomnevertoldyou.com, which has all of our blogs, videos, and podcasts, which includes a two-parter on women in video games, which might be a nice addendum to this conversation, Jonathan. Yeah, if you want to get further into this and really, really get involved, I think it's it's important to, you know, listen to those sort of things. Make sure you're informed. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you need to get in touch with me, well, I've got an email address. It's techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Or drop me a line on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. The handle at all three is techstuffhsw. And I'll talk to you again 
really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.